We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to Moose and Runes episode 40, Matt. How far we've come. We got a little bit of a got a little bit of a fun show today. We're gonna bounce around some ideas. Hit some different topics. Uh, college football season is behind us. The NFL season is waning. We're down to one game, but still plenty to talk about. Championship weekend. The Hawks struggling. The Bulls holding water. Nothing really happening in the MLB right now, at least for the Cubs and the Sox. But still plenty to get to today, Matt. How you doing, Joe? I just I'm doing really good, and I just I wanted mm-hmm. to. I want to take a quick second here. I wanted to reflect on kind of what we've done here. And basically, this episode 40, you said? Yes. I want to congratulate us on reaching 50 podcast episodes. I know we haven't done it yet, but, you know, we're on the We're practically, it. yeah. We're and practically so there. few have reached this point that I think it would be irresponsible of us to not congratulate ourselves on the achievement that we have not yet reached, even though we probably will. Now, uh, now are you taking a little shot there at LeBron James for the self congratulations. Oh, no. I take it. No, that was what did he do? That was hey, that's not what that was. Okay. Did he do something? Yeah. Well, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Looking at my rundown, we'll have plenty of time to dig into LeBron's uh, premature self congratulations of his thirty thousand points. But uh, if you haven't seen that one, jump out there on Twitter, on Instagram. It is another one in a long line of questionable social media antics from the quote-unquote king, Matt. But let's kick things off by talking championship weekend football. It was exciting. And I know a lot of fans are, again, off-put because the Patriots are in the Super Bowl again. Also, another thing that we'll touch upon uh, further down in the rundown. But what what struck you from this game, Matt? What, what was your biggest takeaway? Just the resilience of New England and how I, – I, I don't know why I'm surprised every time, but their ability to go into the locker room at halftime, make halftime mm-hmm. adjustments. and There's no one better. There, there, there's no one better at doing that, and everyone has their game plans. And basically, I, I forgot where I was listening to it. I, I think it was Greg Jennings who was talking, you know, break, breaking down this game yesterday. Yeah. And basically said, when you're that underdog team and you go into New England and you're up 14-3, 14-10 at halftime, your coaching staff's coming in there saying, telling the team, you know, we're doing the same exact thing, you know, keep doing what we're doing, we're going to, you know, stick to our game plan and all that stuff. And that's where New England gets you because they know that's what you're going to do and they know that's you know the underdog mentality is let's not change anything, let's keep doing what we're doing. And mm-hmm. they're going to adjust to that. They're going to change what they're doing. They know what you're doing and now they're going to counteract that. And I yeah, think that was, they, to me, that was a brilliant point. There's no one better in the NFL, maybe in the world of coaching sports uh, at that than Bill Belichick. Yeah, and I said this on air the other night, but it seemed at a certain point inevitable in the second half with the different air that they came out of the locker room with. But going into that half, and maybe prior to that touchdown that drew them closer, but going into the half, there was a sense that it wasn't a scheme issue. I was worried that they weren't going to be able to go into the locker room and adjust how they usually do. Because they were getting bullied. They were getting out physical. They were getting outplayed. They were losing the line of scrimmage, and that was something that Jacksonville – that's not something that you scheme. You can't go into the locker room and say we're going to do things differently to try and win the line of scrimmage or to try and play tougher or to try and play more physical. They were getting bully balled on both sides of the football, Mm -hmm. and they came out in the second half looking not only like they had a different plan of attack, but they looked a little angrier. They looked like they were attacking the line of scrimmage a little bit harder. They looked like they were – 
taking control again. And that's when it seemed inevitable is when they uh, established that physical presence up front and outside. It, it really, I don't know if it was more of a product of Jacksonville maybe laying off on that physicality a little bit because they knew Tom was going to throw the ball downfield, exploit their physicality and try and get those flags. But one thing led to another. And here we are again with the Patriots heading to back-to-back Super Bowls. That was their seventh straight trip to an, to an AFC title game. The beat goes on for Belichick and Brady. I don't see any end in sight. This could happen for the next three years. It, it, I wouldn't really be surprised if it did. I would be. I might be a little bit surprised if they make it to the next three consecutive Super Bowls that somebody doesn't, you know, somehow figure out a way, a way to maybe knock them off once. But at the same mm-hmm. time, that they should be in the AFC Championship game every year for probably the next three. And I think they've been in what the last fourteen or like. 13 of the last 14, 12 of the last 14, some insane number like that. But that yeah. was as, that was as fun of a football game as I think I've – as fun of a playoff football game as I think I've seen in a while. I know Jacksonville-Pittsburgh was a lot of fun kind of seeing them go back and forth. But seeing Jacksonville get out early and then try and hold on and, and seeing Tom Brady do what he does, whether you like him or hate him, it's, it's really fun if you like football to watch him make those comebacks, make those throws, lead that offense the way he does in, in crunch time. And that catch that Danny Amendola made in the back of the end zone. Unbelievable. Was, I mean, I actually saw a little bit of what you were talking about, uh, the Facebook clip of your, your, your broadcast where you guys were talking about that. Mm-hmm. You were talking about Amendola. And I agree. It's it's a lot of those people, you know, in the system that, that come in there and are able to, you know, fit that mold of, of what they like yeah. their spot receivers to do. And it, it's a lot more product of the system than the player sometimes. But the body control, you know better than anybody else being a wide receiver, the body control and the lower body control he had to get that second foot down in you know going full motion, full speed in the other direction, be able to drag that second foot in the back of the end zone was just, it was unbelievable. And I lean towards the latter of those things. I said this on air as well that we can't sell these players short because the system's going to put the guy in the right place, but we're talking about football. Coaches, players have been doing this for a hundred years and they've been scheming the game differently. The Patriots scheme is there. If you want to take it, we have a sample size now. So don't let's not just put this all on the system. These are players making plays in huge moments. Are they in the right place? Yes. Is Tom pre-snapping guys into their best situation? Yes. But Danny Amendola, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, uh, Brandon Cooks this year, Rob Gronkowski when they split him out a little bit. Tom really knows how to work that slot position into the most beneficial way, into the most beneficial situation for them to catch the ball. But when it comes down to a minute and 40 left on the clock, we're down by four, we're down by three, and I got to make this catch. That's Danny Amendola making mm-hmm. a catch, not a, not a system making a catch. So exactly. I big shout out to him. But to go the other way on this one, you mentioned the name earlier on, Matt. I was really impressed by – now, they didn't score a touchdown in the second half. They were held to two field goals. But, again, that's a, that's a product of probably the Patriot defense switching some things up. But Blake Bortles opened my eyes. Not to say that – I was never a Bortles naysayer. You saw his struggles early on and were very quick to – cast these guys guys out as pariahs Mm -hmm. after they throw two interceptions or after they lose three straight games. But look what Jared Goff did last season and where he was this season. Look at the strides that Blake Bortles has made in just one season. So I think we need to stop looking at things under a microscope and start looking at them just with our own two eyes and give these guys a little bit time to develop. Because we saw a quarterback who had pretty ice cold veins in some tough situations there in Blake Bortles. I know when they were driving down the field late in the second half, 
big first down pickup on a third and long through a great ball outside to uh, it was hurt. I don't know who it was on the outside, but he made a lot of plays when he needed to. And I think he just earned himself a check. No, I'm with you. And it, it, I believe his contract is up or they have an option with him at, at, at the end of this year. And I would be shocked if they didn't want to bring him back. I don't, yeah. I know he'd been, he'd struggled his first few years in the league, but that was without much talent around him. This is the mm-hmm. first year he, you know, he finally had a really good running game. And I, I've said this a couple of times to my brother during the broadcast, but Leonard Fournette is just is becoming one of my favorite players in the NFL uh, to yeah. watch. He's got an elite defense, which is young and only getting better. And he showed what he can do. And he, he's never going to be a quarterback who's going to put the team on his back consistently and be the best player on the offense. But he's a quarterback who can make throws when you need him to and basically manage a game for most of it. And then when you need to make throws, he's capable of making those throws. He's not always going to do it. But I was very impressed with what he did. He went into Foxborough and gave his team a chance to win in the AFC Championship game. That he did, and it was a great game. The NFC matchup, Matt, we'll, we'll plenty more to talk about on the AFC side. We'll get to it. But um, the NFC matchup was a great one as well on paper. And I think that um, seldomly on Championship Weekend do you get back-to-back like barn burners, mm-hmm. and this second one was not. It was Eagles. It was Eagles from ten minutes left in the first quarter. I know um, Minnesota came out hot. They scored that touchdown, and that was that was all we saw from them. It, it, they looked defeated in every aspect of the game. I did not expect to see that from Philly. I know I've said on the podcast before. Don't be surprised if Nick Foles comes out and does this. He's a guy who used to throw the ball 60 times a game when he was mm-hmm. with Philly initially, and they had some success in those situations. So, again, there's a precedent here. This isn't a guy who they picked up off the street. It's Nick Foles. It's and better than Eagles, your average backup. The Eagles have rallied around him absolutely better than your average backup. The Eagles have now rallied around him. They're headed to the Super Bowl. And I always, when, when looking at Super Bowl matchups, you kind of look at the identity of these teams and – Again, you have the pristine Patriots who do the things that they do and they get to championships year after year despite the situation. This is a junkyard dog in the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that you've seen pregame, postgame, just the pulse of that city, those people, they've adopted the chip on the shoulder is not even the right word. Just the, the attitude of the people of Philadelphia you can see in this football team. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're, the, the way they play reflects their fan base, I think, a little bit. I don't know if that's the best thing out of, for in terms of PR. It but. is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I'm with you. It was to see Minnesota go out like that and, you know, come out of the gates, fly, and score that touchdown, and then to just pretty much fold. It was right after the Keenum interception. They were just kind of done. And I don't know if mm-hmm. it was – a little bit, we talked about it last week, a little bit too much of an emotional high coming off that big win where they kind of just thought that, you know, they were going to walk into it, maybe in the back of their heads. I, I'm not really sure, but they just kind of gave up. Case Keenum looked like Case Keenum, um, mm-hmm. I guess for lack of a better word. Uh, and I, we, I think I had Minnesota in that one. You had Philly, but I think both of us said, you know, three and a half points is, is about right. I wouldn't go much more than that. I don't think anybody saw the the blowout coming. Some of those Foles, sorry, throws Nick Foles made. The one on the flea flicker to Torrey Smith was like, that was a, that's an elite throw. That's the best throw he's going to make in his entire career. It was unbelievable. I don't know. That pass to Alshon, the touchdown pass, he somehow evaded the rush. And usually you see guys 
able to push the ball downfield when stepping up in the pocket because you have that momentum. He was not only stepping back in the pocket, he was stepping laterally to himself, so kind of towards his heels and still got that ball off 50 yards downfield on the money to a wide open Alshon. There, in my eyes, I think the Eagles have a really, really good chance in the Super Bowl because they're a team that can carry momentum for two weeks, I think, because of their attitude. They're I, I know when you, when you give New England two weeks to game plan for anybody, it's going to be tough to beat them. But the attitude that Philly has taken on this entire season is not something that's going to wear off in 14 days. And I think that they're going to come in there angry. And yes, Tom's going to dismantle you in certain parts of your defense, certain parts of your game. But I think that we we saw a little bit of the formula that Jacksonville put forward. You move Tom Brady off his spot, you get him to the ground like they did in the first half, and New England's going to have a lot of trouble doing anything. No, I'm with you, and I think it's they're a team that might is very capable of doing what Jacksonville did in the first half and, and coming out, you know, beating them up a little bit, like you said, putting mm-hmm. Tom on the ground, getting, getting a good pass rush. But at the same time, I think that attitude that you've talked about and loved this entire podcast, which I agree with, it's something that it, it's not going to fade come the second half. I don't think it's something where Jacksonville's confidence maybe was a little bit shook at times because they mm-hmm. are such a young team. This Philly attitude, swagger, whatever you want to call it, it's not something that's going to go away at the first sign of adversity. It certainly didn't Sunday night when they were hosting Minnesota and Minnesota went down and drove you know, the length of the field for that touchdown. It's not something that's just going to fade at the first sign of trouble. It's going to be there all game, which is why I think this one's probably going to go right down to the wire. Even with Nick Foles versus Tom Brady, you're going to look at that matchup on paper and think like it, it's it's a it's a no brainer pick Brady. But at the same time, if Foles can do what he did, half of what he did against Minnesota, it, it should be a really interesting matchup. Yeah, I think uh, to the credit again of Tom Brady and the Patriots, this is a rematch of the 05, excuse me, the 05 Super Bowl, and uh, the quarterback in that one for the Patriots was of course Tom Brady. Tom Brady. The quarterback in that one, to give a little context, was Donovan McNabb. So. Just the longevity and the success that the Patriots and Tom Brady have had are things that I think uh, deserve a good deal of respect, no matter how you feel about the Patriots as an organization or as a team. So uh, much more to be said about that as well, Matt. But we got a whole uh, other week for that one. We'll get yes, to that we one do. next week. Yes, we do. But uh, I think we're going to jump ahead here and, and hit some hit some other stuff, Matt. I think let's just jump into a grievance. What do you say? Okay. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. So we, we planned on doing this this last night, and I, I think I was a little bit more fired up, uh, ready to, to have a little bit more of an angry passion rant. But after watching the Hawks uh, lose mm-hmm. last night to Tampa, I am a little bit more calm. Um, I thought they actually played a pretty good hockey game. They got they outshot Tampa. I'm not I don't have it open in front of me, but it was something like 40 to 30, 45, 35, something like that. Um, but but my grievance lies here with the way the lineup is being handled and. I, I really like Joel Quenville, and I think he is an all-time great coach. But I, th- I think I've said it on this podcast, too, before. I know I've said it in conversations with others. He's also somebody who walked into a a situation in a group that was ideal for any head coach. Uh, he walked into three generational players pretty much entering their prime and was able to be the steady hand that guided them, them to a Stanley Cup. 
10 years later or whatever it is, I believe it's 10. I, I'm not really sure he's the guy for a group that's, you know, rebuilding on the fly. And you have a lot of these people out here saying, well, it's time for the Hawks to blow it up, rebuild, you know, get younger and all that. But the, the problem is they've already done that. If you look at their mm-hmm. roster, the, the main pieces that you would move out, you're not going to trade Patrick Kane. You're, you're just not. You're not going to get fair value for Jonathan Taves. Duncan Keith, you're probably not going to get fair value for because he's already 34. Uh, Corey Crawford is the one guy you might get fair value for, but at the same time, he now has you know what's being reported as concussion issues, so nothing there. Their roster has 13 players under 25 years old, so they are rebuilding on the fly. They have gotten younger. And I think anybody who watches this group sees that and sees that the the talent and the potential on some of these forwards is there. It's just going to take a little bit of a, a little bit of time for young kids to get acclimated to the league, get acclimated to each other. Um, but I I don't think the best way to handle young kids with their confidence is you know moving them up and down the lineup. You had Vinny Hinestroza who was bumped up to the first line, got that first line going. Him and Jonathan Taves went, each went on six game point streaks. They have one bad game, and now he's playing on skating on the fourth line, and since then, Taves is pointless. Um, you have Gustav Forsling, who is showing signs of being, you know, the next one of the next core pieces in the in their defensive defensive core, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he had a bad night against uh, the Islanders. Now he's in Rockford for some reason, when he's clearly one of the best six defensemen on the team. It's just Joel Quenville's a guy who likes to get involved, and in, like we've seen in the in the playoffs in the past. Every, after every loss, he's moving the lineup around. He's jumbling lines. You know, People are dropping from one to three, up from three to two, whatever you want to call it. And when you have a steady group of veterans, when your group is Patrick Sharp, Jonathan Taves, you know, Patrick Kane, Brandon Sodden, and guys who have been there before, confidence mm-hmm. isn't really an issue. Um, but when you have a group of rookies, you have 21-year-olds, 20-year-olds, whatever, moving up and down the lineup, I think confidence does factor into it a lot more. And I'm just not sure that if they do make, miss the playoffs this year, which is certainly looking like it's probably going to happen, which is okay. I, I'm not saying they need to blow it up. I, I think they're already on the right track towards being in the right spot. I'm not sure Joel Quenville is the guy to lead a group of young developing players more so he's the guy that is the steady hand to come in when they're ready to win. And if they do decide to make changes at the end, if you have to choose between Stan and Joel, I, I think Joel is, is the one to move on. That's surprising to me, Matt, and I, I haven't looked at it in that light before because you think of him as such a stalwart, such a constant in what has been a successful decade of hockey for the Blackhawks, but he did come into a good situation, and uh, now that And that's not, that's not it, me trying to knock him by any way, saying he came into a great situation. He came into a great situation, but he took it to He was the that, right guy. He, yes, was, he was the right guy, guy at the for right that time, point And he took it to development. heights that yes. I don't think any yeah. Blackhawks fan could have imagined. He, he got him with three Stanley Cups and was a bad bounce away from a three-peat and four Stanley Cups. So I'm not and going to say that he's – this isn't me trying to knock Joel Quenville. He's I just, one of I'm the greatest sure. coaches of all time yeah. in the context of the game. Second uh, and second all-time. Second winningest coach of all time. So so as you've said, he's he's been successful, but in looking towards the next five years for the Blackhawks, is he the right guy to be in this position of, as you said, a rebuild on the fly. My question, though, Matt, is, sure. and I know we were talk, we were texting last night because shout out to NBCSN. I had the game last night out here in Sacramento. Hey, we're watching the game a little bit. An important power play at the end of the second period that 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 they failed to execute on, but you can't expect them to execute on the power play right now. It's absolutely abysmal. I believe they're 29th in the NHL. 
Um, last year they were 19th, so not outstanding, but right now they're one of the worst, if not the worst team in the NHL on the power play, which is un- unacceptable. Mm-hmm. How much of this falls on the shoulders of Deneen? I don't really the, – the way that they have always presented their front with how the assistants are, are you know, handling everything – who does what? I know certain guys are, you know, tab the forwards, assistant coach, you know, some of the defensive uh-huh. ones. But they've always pretty much said that while these guys have certain titles and maybe one guy's the one to present it to the team, that it's so, all pretty yeah. much a group effort. Um, gotcha. I wouldn't put too much of it on Kevin Deneen simply because as great as these Blackhawks teams have been in the past, if you look back on their, you know, run here, for the talent that they've had on this team as long as Joel Quenville's been around, the power play has always kind of sucked. And yeah. I don't want to say sucked, but like it's never been as good as it should be. It's never it's been really high good. flying. No, it's never been like back in when Detroit was really good. You know, Detroit mm-hmm. was coming on; they were scoring you know thirty percent of almost, their power plays, just under thirty. You almost knew when you yeah. took the penalty that they were going to score. You exactly, just giving them a goal. Yeah. Heck, in twenty thirteen, the Stanley Cup Finals versus Boston, I remember it getting so bad when the Hawks would get a power play, you'd see Twitter erupt and basically say like, "Oh, let's just give it back. Let's punt the two minutes and stay five on five. Or let's take mm-hmm. the penalty and go four on four. It got that bad, so I don't. Yeah. I'm not going to put too much of it on his shoulders. I'm sure he's a part of it. Um, I'm actually a big Kevin Deneen fan. I think he's done a really good job here, and I think he's done a good job in the past in the head coaching gigs he's had. Um, but I'm not going to label that him. I think it's just more coaching staff in general. Yeah. the The Hawks have always had a tendency to get a little fancy on power plays instead of just putting the puck on net. They always try to yeah. take the extra pass for the fancy goal, which isn't a good idea the 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 old saying goes if you watch any hockey game you've heard it a hundred times it's never bad play to get the puck on the net get the puck to uh overlook that sometimes i think so i think they need to simplify things biscuit to the basket as they say matt yes as the kids say but i I was just thinking as well and i don't know if irony is the right word but i find it odd that in years where the hawks are seeing great success and going on these crazy point streaks and winning stanley cups that there's strife internally, that you have problems in the locker room, that you're having trouble with guys working with one another, that you're having trouble with guys uh, being in by curfew, all mm-hmm. of these storylines that come up when you're successful, and the off-the-ice issues just haven't seemed to be there. Is this what fuels them, or are we just not focusing on the uh, the adverse storylines because they're just not – at the top of the litter right now. No, I just I don't really think there's as much there. I think in the past there's no there, spark. Have been, there has been some, you know, store you know, off ice issues in the past, but I think the leadership group is so good in the locker room that they've just been able to yeah. say like, Hey, I don't care what Maybe. you got going on outside the building, but once you get inside the building we're we're playing hockey, we're trying to win. Maybe uh, we need Kaner to start taking more Ubers or something again. Yeah. I don't know. Like let's spark this club a little. <laughs> Maybe that's no? what you have to do there. <laughs> let's let, 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 uh, Let's let's write a letter to Stan and make that suggestion. Allegedly, allegedly, it was a cab, Joe. It was. It, it was, was a cab. cab. And weren't they in Buffalo? So I, that's not even it's yeah. not even blood on our hands. So don't no. don't worry about it. Yeah. But oh, I mean, goodness. part of the reason too, I mean, if you look at what the Hawks have done this year, they, they're not having a good season by any means. But it's not like they're at the bottom of the yeah West here. We're at the bottom of the Central Division because the Central Division is absolutely is, loaded this year. It's an all-star division. If they were in the it, Pacific, with, with the schedule, they'd, right now if they were in the Pacific, they'd be in a, a similar spot. They wouldn't be in last in the division, but they'd be in a you know similar playoff situation. But the mm-hmm. schedule they'd have played would have made it much more easy for them to be up in that top three. And I, I think 
I mean, this, the Central Division, the Hawks are dead last, and they're still, while it's looking, not looking good for the playoffs, they're still in the playoff, you know, run situation, whatever you want to call it, whereas everybody below where the Hawks is in the Pacific is you can pretty much count out in the playoffs right now. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, it's a combination of being a down year and this division just being absolutely loaded. You could, you're going to have multiple teams from that division not make the playoffs this year, and there are also teams that, when they get hot, are good enough to make a run to the Stanley Cup Finals. Mm-hmm. Hawks have lost four of the last five. They have three more here in the month of January. We're looking at Toronto and Detroit back-to-backs mm-hmm. on Wednesday and Thursday. And then a little bit of a break before they take on Nashville on the road. They get Toronto at home, Detroit and Nashville on a little bit on the start of a four-game roader. That'll take them into February. So um, hopefully, still plenty uh, of hockey hope, to be played, Matt. Hopefully but, a four-game road trip is something where you can kind of – maybe you can steal a couple points or a point against Toronto here and go on a yeah. four-game road trip, kind of use that time to get away from everything, just kind of be right. with the guys, hotel hockey, and then just kind of get away from everything. Boys. Maybe use that as a run. Maybe. Send the boys to the movie theater. Let them go see Jumanji, you know, Bond and stuff. All right, what were we talking about? That was that was me. Like, it was an was awful Canadian tr- accent. I was just trying to be. That wasn't even Canadian. That was like, it was that was like I'm, that was I'm your an American Canadian accent. No, that's like I'm the American guy in the room, but I'm just trying to fit in and talk in the same cadence as you guys. Like that's that's like my Paul. That's like my Paul Bissonnette or something. He's we'll, Canadian though. We'll, we'll cut that's, that out. I appreciate it, Matt. The the beauty of editing. But uh, give us a little snapshot. We're going to do Matt's Hockey Minute here. Give us a snapshot of the rest of the league, Matt, for those who are not as in tuned as you are. Your minute starts now. Uh, Well, last night, if you watched the the Hawks game, uh, you saw Tampa, who has been absolutely on fire this year. I know they, I think they snapped a three or four game losing streak last night, but they're still, I believe, second in the NHL in points. They're what looks like to be the clear favorite coming out of the East. They're also a team who missed the playoffs last year. So it's not like the Hawks are if they miss the playoffs this year. It's it's all over or anything like that. Uh, they're a team where I think should be the cup favorites right now in the West. Um, Vegas is still doing what they're doing. I don't know 30 seconds. how. Um, I don't think they're going to parlay this into a long playoff run, but they're still fun to watch for now. I would say out of the West, you should probably be looking at a team like Nashville or Winnipeg. And I guess I'll stop there because I probably only got, tw- only got 20 seconds left. Bonus seconds. So, Matt, you, you have you still have a good 10 seconds. Give the people your piece. I don't know. This is like free ad I guess, time for um, Olympic hockey will not be as fun this year because it's a team full of NHL washouts. Yeah, but – it's not fun, as fun, right? Joe. No, because Russia's, Russia's got a loaded team, and they basically they've taken all their talented players who are in the KHL, and they're going to play because they so won the Olympics. But it's not really Russia; it's athletes from Russia because from Russia's Russia. banned from the yeah, Olympics. So they cannot that's represent fun. Russia. So um, that's neat. Yeah, yeah. that's neat. So that's, what, that's, what are their fits going to look like? Are they I'm, I'm like excited white, to see. I, I white really, jerseys away, home, black just, jerseys home. Just give me like a, a plain white jersey with no logo on it and like black pants, and let's let's just go. Just Putin's face on the front. Just straight gray. Yeah. Just give me an entirely gray uniform from top to bottom. Completely. Speaking neat. of which, I haven't seen the uh, USA fits yet. Are they nice? They're terrible. They They're are bad. Okay. They will make you want. Because I'm usually I'm usually a sucker for a uh, for a USA sweater buy. I, I now have I now have the past two. Uh, which we call it the past two Olympic jerseys with yeah. Patrick Kane on the back of them. So, so. the formula <laughs> is, it seems pretty easy. If you watch it's I think you have one of them, and then the, they wear it in the World Juniors every year. It's basically the newer edition of the 1980 uniform. You know, okay. it, it's the white one with the you know the red and blue on the shoulders and on the bottom mm-hmm. there. The formula should just be we're going to remake that every year. Joe, please turn your phone off. That's rude. 
Apologize. Um, it's okay. I'm just. You, you got me. Yeah, I was on. I was on a. I apologize. There, Joe, and then your phone dings. I don't apologize to you. I apologize to the listeners, man. No, it was. Uh, but like that. That <laughs> seems to be the pretty easy, clear cut formula for Team USA. But they keep trying to get fancy for whatever Nike wants to redo it every year, or every four years, whatever it's called. The, the uniforms they've made this year. If you, you look them up, because I can hear you typing. Yeah, um, I am. They are. Ooh, they no. what looks like a bad. Like, you know how they have roller hockey uh, in like you know. In, I think yeah. in being an Olympic sport, it looks like a bad roller hockey uniform, a roller, yeah, ho- roller like, hockey jersey. It's like terrible. I don't know who was what, who was thinking when they thought up those and said these are a good idea, and then who cleared it to say those look good. But they yeah. should no longer be designing. Is there for now the format? Is there pool play? Because that jersey doesn't make it out of pool play in my eyes. Yeah, it, it's not. It's not a uniform. <laughs> it's getting you the, to the uh, to the medal round. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we will be watching nonetheless. Always enjoy. Uh, that wide open ice in Olympic hockey, Matthew. It is it is fun to watch with how big that ice is. But there's no speed this year because none of the good NHL players get to go. So I'm not Matt, there. we're gonna Matt, we're gonna move on here in terms of baseball. We got pitchers and catchers reporting in a few weeks, February thirteenth, I think is the first day league wide. Uh, there'll be plenty to watch. No signings on either side of town in Chicago. A couple big ones out here in the bay, so Going to watch uh, Andrew McCutcheon and uh, Evan Longoria play some baseball this, this spring, this summer, which should be fun. I will try and keep the fans abreast on all of the uh, Bay Area happenings around here. I don't know how much Sacramento Kings basketball you want to hear about, but I know I used to get my, my, my Nebraska minute, if now you will. Now you're going to get your, 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 your Bay minute? Yeah, your you're minute Northern by the Cali- Bay. If you give me a Northern California minute um, for moving on, I think, uh, I, think I could your, your sh- shed some 60. light. Yeah, because when, when you think about sports out here, a lot of them are happening in the middle of the night for you guys at 10 p.m. And you don't get to see the end of the game or you don't get to see too much of it and you don't get to see these players. So I think uh, maybe I could maybe I could paint a picture for our viewers so here. Not, uh, not to say that your, your Nebraska coverage wasn't scintillating because it was, well, was and you did a fantastic job. We had some storylines with firings. We, we did. I, I think – that the various contingent of our listeners will probably uh-huh. be a little bit more interested in what's going on out in the Bay than they were in what's going out in Lincoln, Nebraska with sport, in terms of sports. Well, we so shall I see. Uh, I should have some uh, some under-the-ropes reports coming at you from Pebble Beach in a couple of weeks at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Yeah, I'm going to be little, there with you. Little, I'm your little plus toot one. Toot. little toot-toot, yeah. You don't get plus ones when it comes to credentials. Just ask them. So. It's not that hard. Just make up a name and tell them I'm part of the team. Well, now that we're on the topic, we got to touch upon it. He's back in action this week. The big cat roaming from roaming familiar grounds at Torrey Pines. Uh, what's your prediction this weekend for Tiger at Torrey? A lot of talent in this field. He's running it's away with ex- it, obviously. It's just going to be exciting to see him out there at a real event. I know. What was it? The Hero World Challenge, I believe, yeah. was his uh, reintroduction and I know he's done it in this way in the past. He's played his own event when he's trying to make comebacks, and then he takes this time off, and whatever he's doing during this time, things don't seem to spark as much when it comes to real golf with real fields on U.S. soil. So I'm excited to see what he did in this time off, if he got better, if he held water, if he got worse, if he's showing signs of fatigue. Uh, I think there's a lot to be seen this weekend that'll that'll tell you a lot about the rest of Tiger season, maybe how many times we'll see him or the success that he might have. Yeah, I mean, it's it was awesome watching him in the Bahamas, and it was, it was really fun, and I think it was great to see that he was able to get through it healthy and looked a lot healthier, but 
I don't think we're necessarily out of the woods within that department. Mm-hmm. No pun, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> yeah, see what I did there? Um, well but I, I, it's, it's going to be an intriguing storyline every time he tees it up from here on out. If you have a bad back, like one bad swing can, it, it can really, you can end your weekend and uh, it, it's going to be on pins and needles pretty much the, and the anytime tiger plays from here on out, because you never know if and when that back is going to hold up, give out. So I think that's always going to be a storyline for me watching tiger, but the other storyline, you said he's making a return to familiar grounds. Joe, how many times do you think from here till Thursday, are you going to watch that putt from 2008 on 18? Um, On a, on a normal week when he's not playing, I still watch it three or four times. Yeah. So we'll probably get it in. We're talking high teens. We're talking Joe, did, high teens, probably. Did, did you know that I birdied that hole? Yes, Matt. You've told us on this podcast that yeah, you birdied a while, that hole. I just hole. wanted to, I want to re-bring it up. I just well, wanted to make sure that you knew that I birdied that Congratulations. Hole. You should be in the field. Maybe you maybe birdie, birdie that one and then don't triple bogey the rest of them and you should be uh, fine. I'll take two free rounds at Torrey Fines any day. Sure. Put me in the field. I finished <laughs> dead last and played twice for free and be out in San Diego for the weekend. That's a that's a good point, Matt. Yeah. But we are we're getting into that West Coast swing of golf now. Things start to get a little bit more competitive. It starts to get real. You, now. This is you get those whole, you get really those parties in Hawaii out of the way for all the champions and and whatnot. So the real PGA season kicking up here it should be fun because this is after the Super Bowl. A little bit of a lull until March, so we fill that void with some. Uh, with some PGA Tour golf, and if Tiger's out there, it's always more fun to watch. And I know we've said that in the past, but hopefully he can establish a clean bill of health here at Torrey and moving forward. But a lot of the odds makers are saying that his chances to not win but make the cut even are pretty low. Uh, I think there's some some gettable um, some gettable lines out there if you want to start playing props with Tiger. Well, I do like to take a look at those sometimes. <laughs> we'll take a look at those and uh, double back with us. Let us know if you if you made any uh, made any chump change uh, next week on the pod, man. I'll, I'll be uh, sure to report. Why don't we jump into a little buy or sell? Sure. You want me to start us off? Yeah, kick us off. Touched on a little bit with uh, pitchers and catchers, free agency, spring training, all that stuff. But uh, buy or sell, Jake Arietta is not signed by the start of spring training. And by that, I'm going to go with I'm going to go by with anyone spring training. Not, but not not signed by not anyone. Signed not by signed anyone. by anyone. Because team. there is a there was a report out there. I, I was a fairly reputable writer. Um, for, I can't, can't remember who it was, but it was one you know major free agent out there is seriously considering not you know not starting the season with a team if he doesn't get what he wants and waiting you know holding out until you know mid season something like that. And Jake Arrieta would make a lot of sense to be that to one be that guy because he's clearly not getting offered the years he wants. He has Scott Boris, and anyone who's followed him in Chicago knows he can be a little bit stubborn. Yeah, I think that you make some good points there, and you definitely have two opposing forces in the idea of Jake Arrieta being stubborn and and driving a hard bargain and having his number and years be very, very high, maybe outside of the pay range of a normal guy his age. But there is also the force of everybody is always looking for arms, and if you can lock up an Arrieta who you catch him on a day that he's feeling a little bit uneasy about his future and you get him not on the cheap, but for a couple bucks less or a a year or two less. um, I think that that's something that you could see happen in a pretty immediate news cycle. Something that it's not, Oh, Jake Arrieta getting close. Mm -hmm. Jake Arrieta in talks. It might be Jake Arrieta. Jake Arrieta signs with the St. Louis Cardinals, like something that just happens. So that would not surprise me either. So I think I'm going to sell on this one because 
there's always room for arms if you can get them for the right price. Yeah, and, and the longer this goes, the longer it makes me believe the Cubs are just it's it's not going to work. And I think that's the right decision for the Cubs. They should not overpay for Jake, Jake Arrieta for you know give him five or six years or whatever he wants. Yeah, because they 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 got people coming up that they're going to need to sign and bring back. And with this luxury tax, I know it's not you know an official salary cap, but it's almost like a soft cap, and people don't want to go over it. Yeah, but pay pay the money. Pay the money. But if if you're in the situation, pay the money. Pay the cap, pay the luxury tax, do whatever you need to do to get an arm in there because we've seen that you need to have top end pitching to win World Series. So if you're a te- if you're a team that thinks you're close and that's the missing piece, I don't see why you don't go out and overpay. I know that just drives the market up higher and we're gonna see the same thing happen with the quarterback market mm-hmm. here with Jimmy Garoppolo and what we just saw with Carr and there's rumors that Aaron Rodgers is demanding three hundred million in his next contract to take him into his year forty-two Jeez. or something like that. So we're going to see some crazy things happen over the next few years when it comes to pitchers and quarterbacks just driving up market prices. So I think Jake Arrieta, Jake Arrieta might be one of the first guys to start this trend of just getting the check and, and riding off into the sunset, which is unfortunate because you do see a lot of times production dip when that sort of thing happens. But mm-hmm. if it happens to Aaron Rodgers, we're not too mad about it. No, I would love to see that. <laughs> I had to sneak that in there. I know. Uh, Matt, buy or sell the addition of Alex Rodriguez to the Sunday night baseball broadcast crew makes you want to watch more. Uh, I really like it. I'm not going to say it makes me want to watch more because I really liked Aaron Boone as well. I thought he was really okay. good, a uh, really good commentator. I, I, but I also think A-Rod is going to be at that level. I, I think what we've seen from him on you know postgame in the playoffs, he's, he's really good at what he does. It'll be interesting to see the transition from analyst, you know, on you know, pre-postgame analyst to in-game analyst, mm-hmm. which um, I think you and I both have a little bit of experience with, and it's, it's definitely different. Um, yeah. But I think he's going to be a natural at that transition. I think he's going to be really good. And he's he's a fun, energetic personality that I think is going to fit in really well in that booth. So I'm going to buy it. Yeah. I guess buy it. So I guess I'm right in the middle. I think it, it stays kind of at the same level because I was a big Aaron Boone fan as well. So now follow-up question on this one, Matt. Sure. Seeing as how things worked out for Aaron Boone, does this set up A-Rod for the manager job once Aaron Boone doesn't win a World Series with the Bronx Bombers in the next three seasons. Ooh. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> Scintillating. See, no, I know there's no connection there, but... There, but, it, I mean, it's the same... It, he was in the conversation. Yeah, he, he was, was in the, the conversation. But it also, yeah. he was... A, I believe he kind of said, no, he didn't want to do it. So I don't know if that's going to... something that'll change over three years, but he kind of said, I like where we're at, what we're doing with Fox and, you know, in terms of analyst work. So maybe that's just not a job that he wants the, the stress of and doesn't want to deal with. But maybe that's something that changes in three years. But every time there's an opening at the Yankees manager position, he's going to be a name that's brought up now. So sure, that, that lot, could be something. Lot going on, lot going on over at A Rod Corp. So I oh, think yeah. he's a little busy. Things little are busy, busy these days. Yeah. Signing baseball. <laughs> All right, hit me, Matt. Oh, it's my turn. Yeah, it's um, turn. So the Oscar nominations were, were released today. Um, I got to be honest, I haven't. Just like every year, I have not seen any of them, and probably won't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to ask you. You seem like an Oscar guy. Someone has yeah. buy or sell the Oscars. You seem like a guy uh, who's going to love an award show. Who is? I, I buy. I buy it. the Oscars big, big time. Award season is huge for me. I love award season. You, you you're um, red carpet guy as well. You like watching the pre-show. To, oh, love the pre-show. Yeah. Get to judge from my couch all of the sartorial happenings. You know, mm, yeah. the the men's fashion. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, 
I don't know what makes a great dress, but I know what you makes know a terrible dress. I, I know what makes a car accident in terms of female fashion, and you see a couple of those out there. That's always interesting to see. But when it comes to the actual show, this is a year, Matt, where I have not been as in touch with the cinema happenings. I haven't seen many of these films either. So it will be... I will be focusing more on the red carpet this year and maybe any big moments if they send Warren Beatty out to pasture again to screw something up, the poor guy, or whatever whatever the viral moment that they're going to try and create at the Oscars, I will be there waiting with bated breath. So I'm buying the Oscars. I love, uh, I love award season. I think well, it's just a, a, a grotesque uh, a representation of Hollywood excess, and what's better than that, right? i got to be honest with you. If you're not going to watch all the movies – I, I hardly think it's fair for you to ask me to watch The Godfather. What? There's no parallel there, and quit, bring, quit bringing <laughs> up The Godfather if you're not going to watch it. I will get to it. It's on Netflix. No, I'll get to yeah, it. Yeah, things go off of Netflix if you don't watch them. It was just put on, Joe. It's not going to go off in a month. Who, who knows? Netflix brass could be listening to the podcast right now and do it just to spite you. Well, if Netflix people are listening to the brass, can you put our podcast <laughs> on to Netflix? <laughs> I don't know if that's how that works, but it'd be you lovely. Could, you could put it, you um, could put it on there. But there are no parallels to be drawn there. They're both movies. Uh, We're talking movies. That's parallel. I I haven't even seen the nominations yet. I haven't looked at the nominations. I honestly, I saw a bunch of names. But I assume that they're they're always they pretty much they're always pretty much in lockstep with the uh, Golden Globes nominations. So yeah, I feel like they're always pretty, pretty much idea. the same, with the exception of one or two. Um, I I'm think not that there's a couple guy, different so ones. I wouldn't really and, know. The way that they uh, the way that they divide things in terms of uh, categories is a little bit different than uh, I have USA some of the today. I have some of the the nominations ahead in front of me if you'd like to know any of them. Yeah, we got Rally best picture. Uh, Call me by your name. Never heard of it. Darkest nope. Hour. Never heard of it. Dunkirk. I've heard people talk about that. Saw Dunkirk. Outstanding. They have my vote already. It's the Who, one I saw. Who's in that one? Uh, Liam, the kid from uh, the kid from uh, One Direction. He's he plays a supporting role. I'm out. Um, um, <laughs> he's actually he has like two yeah, lines. Well, he's that, that, I'm sure it's fine. Uh, Get out. I've never heard of that. Lady I Bird. Never saw Get Out. Never saw never Get Out. But that. I heard great things. I just don't like scary scary movies. Lady Bird set set in Sacramento. Lady Bird have not seen it. So do you have to watch that now that you live there? I think it's part of like, it's a prerequisite, or they boot me out of my uh, my lease here in a couple months. Uh, Phantom Thread, never heard of the Post. I've heard of the Post. That one I actually the might Post. see with uh, the Washington Post with Tom Hanks. Yeah, Hanks. I might, gotta love Hanks. I'm probably not going to see it, but I might see it. <laughs> um, the Shape of Water. That doesn't make sense. Okay. Water doesn't really have a shape. Um, and three that was billboards a, that was a Golden Globes outside Ebbing, Missouri. I, that, I Give don't know me. What, uh, that was also a Golden Globes nominee. Give me the uh, nominations for best male uh, lead. Lead actor. Um, yeah, lead, I don't know what the T- Timothy Chalamet is that a, is that a thing? Okay. Call me by and from Call Me by Your Name. Never heard of that guy. Daniel Day Lewis, Phantom Thread. I'm gonna guess that he wins just because it seems like he wins every year or something every year. I thought he re- I thought he retired. Well, from acting he last didn't because he's nominated <laughs> for lead actor. So. <laughs> Um, Daniel, they're going to give it to him for Lincoln again. Daniel Kaluuya for Get In, Get Out. Get Out. He's uh, good out Gary yeah. Oldman from Darkest Hour. Yeah. Denzel. Denzel's in a movie. Uh, Denzel Washington and Roman J. Israel Esquire. I don't, ah, I was, I was hoping you were going to say Denzel in Training Day or something. No, that'd be cool though. Yeah. Throwback Oscars. I, I didn't know Denzel. Are, were you just about stuff. to say you haven't seen Training Day? No. 
Uh, you've never seen say, Training Day. I've seen parts of it. No, Matt. Why you get to a you get to a point where there are certain movies that if you haven't seen start to finish, Godfather being one, Training Day. I'm not I'm not going to ask you anymore if you've seen the movies. I'm going to assume you haven't, and it's that's, just going to make me mad. That's probably a good idea. You if, if you assume seen I haven't, Training Day. If I if Training Day assume, is like a if you assume training day I is like a though, rite of passage for a young man. If you assume you ha- I haven't seen it though, then you won't really be let down. You'll be more pleasantly surprised when I say I have seen it. You, you disgust me, Matt. And just I've seen for good fellas, that's that's a good just, one. Right? Great. Just for uh, balance, <laughs> just for for balance sake, uh, rattle off a couple best actress. Um, Sally Hawkins in The Shape of Water. I don't okay. know who she is. Frances McDormand, McDormand from Three Bill- Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Margot Robbie, I didn't know she was anything, and I, Tanya. Yeah, she was in the Tanya Harding movie, which I heard oh, was outstanding oh, right. as well. Oh, right, yeah, that was supposed to be good. But uh, I'm not I'm not for glorifying Tanya Harding, so I'm not seeing it. Go ahead. Uh, you're, you're boycotting that one? Go ahead. Sayorse <laughs> uh, Ronan from Lady Bird. And, I just like hearing you read these names. Okay, it's how, how would you pronounce it? S-A-O-I-R-S-E. Oh, that's Sayorse. That's Sayorse. Shut up. Move and uh, Meryl Streep from The Post. So Meryl Streep right. is just going Meryl to be Street nominated for lead. Meryl Streep will be yeah. nominated for lead actress for the next 50 years. Just keep the NFL's name out of your mouth, Marilyn. We'll keep clapping for you. How about that? That's fair. <laughs> think that's a fair trade-off, that's right? That's fair. Right. I wish well, I knew Matt, any of these movies. I'd be much more interested I, in the show. I think it's safe to say that we're going to be watching for that viral moment this year instead of uh, – of the actual well i won't really have an eye so if that if that viral moment happens can you text me okay yeah i guess i will i'll probably just also be judging you from twitter most of the time when you tweet just kind of clap back perfect i like doing that it's fun perfect that's uh, it's it's kind of our relationship here matt but uh, you have another buy or sell don't you we're not done let's move on to a new buy or sell (laughs) buy or sell nba all-star weekend everything that happens the game the joke that it is the skills competition the, the rappers hobnobbing with the players, the possible uh, headlines that you that you always see, uh, the, the scandalous headlines that sometimes make it out. Um, buy or sell NBA All Star Weekend. See, I actually buy everything before the actual game. I think it's yes. fun to watch. Things entertaining. I think the game is incredibly boring. Okay. Because it's really nobody playing defense, just fast breaks and kind of throwing down dunks, which is whatever. Um, I've seen it. I've seen them all a hundred times. But I think the entertainment factor beforehand, the three-point contest, the dunk contest, I've always liked watching. And I think they're missing a big opportunity not televising the LeBron and, and Steph draft. Yeah. Um, like I don't know if you remember, this, the NHL did that a couple years ago. That was what they did before they went to the three-on-three. And the mm-hmm. draft was incredibly entertaining. They just put all of the NHL players like into a, a green room, basically, and let them drink. And it was awesome. It was it was it was entertaining. The captains kind of went back and forth, jabbing at each other. The players got a little bit drunk, and they would kind of give each other crap and interviews and stuff <laughs> in the back room. And it was like no one did anything inappropriate. Alex Ovechkin <laughs> got absolutely plastered, I think, one of the years, and was uh, yeah. Let Ovi, the, the let, last pick get Ovi a bottle of vodka. Let him draft. That's good television. Let, right let Ovi host the NBA. He's shirtless by draft. round. He's shirtless by round three. Ovi, yeah. the the thing they did was like the last pick gets a car or something. It was like a, a yeah. Honda pickup truck or something like that. And Ovi, the more you know, beers he got in him, and the farther back he got in the draft, he kept lobbying to not be picked, so he wins the car. 
And it was yeah. the storyline was going to keep up. Like, <laughs> that's smart. Like, it gives you this opportunity to get to know players a little bit more on a personal level, uh-huh. not, but not actually know them, but you know, see them in a little bit of a different light. And I think yeah. it was a missed opportunity by the NBA because see, that would never, that would, but that would never, ones. that would never work with the NBA because you know, if they gave them the opportunity, Steph would be sitting there pushing his Brita water, and LeBron would be there pushing Gatorade, and it'd be a whole marketing angle rather than getting them a bottle of whatever it may be and letting them letting this thing unfold how it may. I don't mm, think you'd ever enough. see that with NBA guys, but it would be good television nonetheless to see them draft and, and just the way that these guys are all best friends at this point now. So it'd be like yeah. watching a, a fantasy draft with a, with a group of guys. So I think that uh, you make a good point there, Matt. I always enjoy NBA all-star weekend too, because you know that someone's going to drop a dish track and Drake's going to show up and like make fun of Draymond and it's going to be a good time. Yeah. I got a lot of drama, right? Yeah, gotta, gotta love NBA drama. The NBA is is reality TV for men. I, I think it's like getting close to the E network for men. The it's, NBA, it's really with all of the off the court stuff. And God, I can't get enough. It's 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 you can dig your teeth into these things mindlessly and not have to really think about them or analyze them. So I think that's where where you draw the parallels to to maybe the Kardashians. These Kardashians, they're they're getting their talents into everything, you know. Yeah, let's, they're, they're taking over. They're taking over the NBA now. Yeah, you had a bonus buy or sell, I think, for me. <laughs> yeah, buy or sell, Matt. Uh, what was my other one here? Oh, okay. We touched upon this earlier in the show, but buy or sell. LeBron congratulating himself on social media for reaching forty thousand points, seven points before reaching forty thousand points. So, like, I, I guess am I? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'll buy that. I'm not surprised. Like, this doesn't come as, like, a big shock that he did this. I'm selling the fact that you would do it. I don't know. Like, it's just, I can't even explain why somebody would do that. Like, he was expl- like, he was congratulating young LeBron. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about, man? Just go score 30,000 points, let other people congratulate you, and accept their congratulations and move on. Your team sucks right now. Worry more about that and figuring out how to get your team back on track than patting your own back for an accomplishment you haven't even achieved yet. That's me. It's it's such a try hard move, and these are the things that confuse me because he is one of the greatest basketball players of all time. He does have the biggest platform of any popular culture individual in the world. He has made these mistakes in the past in being self-exalting in situations where it's not called for and he continues to do it he knows what the backlash is going to be he knows he's going to come off as corny yet he continues to do these things i don't understand it and it again points back to some sort of insecurity in his place in his place in history, in his place in the league, in his place as the greatest of all time, in all of these different rankings, he, I think he's insecure in a lot of things. And for me to call LeBron insecure, I know it's a little bit off cuff, but we continue to see this. No, through, I kind of think you're right. <laughs> because you know that every single sports account already has the graphic built for Instagram, for Twitter, and for their broadcast. Everyone's going to have it out there. Yet you have to go out there and be self-exalting before the fact and, and try and pat yourself on the back. It just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. MJ, I know we go back to the MJ comparison, but and I know it was before social media, but MJ was self-exalting by doing it in front of your face and then during the postgame saying, yeah, I just did that to him. And, and then after winning a championship, he'd get up on the podium and say, look what we just did. That was we- it. MJ didn't 
I know his platform wasn't as grand because it, you had to get a camera in front of him for him to make some sort of statement. Mm-hmm. That's just how it was. There wasn't social media, but the attitude, the approach is just so much different. Not that, not even than just MJ, but uh, but other guys in the league who who consider themselves to be true competitors. LeBron just keeps reeling into this position of insecurity, and, and it it's not good for him. It's not good for the NBA, and it's just not a good look. I don't understand how someone like that could be insecure in their place. In his, I mean, he's clearly right? going to finish one of the two best players that play, you know to ever play. And there's no matter what he does the rest of his career, there's not going to be anything that can firmly jump him over MJ. I don't. I, there's just there, there isn't because there's always going to be a contingent out there that's going to say MJ's better. Um, and he's he's reached I think his peak of how good he can be and not how good he can, but like where he can rank I guess is a better way to put it and that's like there's nothing wrong with that he's still only 34 and do a lot more he's not going to get he's never going to firmly jump MJ that's fine but like dude you're one of the two best players of all time arguably the best just go out and play basketball like don't tell me about it I know you're really good I know you're gonna achieve all these things I don't care what you think about yourself. You seem pretty contrite in that fact, though. But, Matt, if he gets to six more finals and wins three of them, you don't think that he'd nope. be the greatest of all time? I don't think that <laughs> you, you – no, I don't even have a conversation. I don't think that you will ever have a consensus deci- – you know, a consensus oh, no. argument. Oh, no. That That's what I'm saying. I, I mean, I'm a Bulls fan, obviously. I grew up here. I don't think I'll ever say anybody was better than MJ because while LeBron might get there, he's going to have a, several more seasons under his belt. Um, and with – I don't know if that should factor in a ton, but it, I mean, it, it yeah, would, but that my, longevity can even factor into his credit. But there, we're is, not, I don't want to get into the debate. Uh, the, yes. There's no doubt LeBron's more talented. I think MJ was the better player, and that's kind of that. But they, they, you will never have that contingent that automatically says one is better than the other. There's each side is always going to have their backers, and it's going to be a debate that's going to go on forever. I, I always lean MJ simply from from the fact of a competitor spirit and the fact that he wanted to cut your stomach open and watch you bleed like that was MJ. And this is another instance where we're seeing LeBron's competitive spirit. be put it into question, I think a little bit. Yeah. They're uh, the a little bit of trouble, by the way. Yeah. I don't think they'll every out. year, but they'll be in the Eastern conference finals, but yeah, um, but there's not, I don't think there's a consensus that they'll be in the NBA finals for sure. No, there's, there's a little internal strife going on over there. Apparently, Guys don't like playing with Isaiah, and guys are questioning Kevin's love. Kevin loves Kevin or uh, Kevin's love sickness. Kevin's loves there. There, there's multiple Kevin loves over there now, but they're questioning the uh, the viability of his actual flu that he had the other day. So there's there's some strife going on in that locker room. And when you think about a basketball locker room, it's 15 guys, 20 guys tops. When you're talking about the coaching staff, and it's a lot more personal than having 100 guys in a locker room and having a get things going in the right direction like on mm-hmm. a football team. So um, a lot to watch there, Matt. Do you have another buy or sell? I have a bonus buy or sell for you that I didn't tell Hit you me. about. Mm-hmm. Joe, buy or sell Pilates. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to have yep. to come at me. I had to come out. Yeah, I debated whether I should start the podcast with it, but then the LeBron uh-huh. thing happened. I figured that was a better way, and I could uh-huh. figure this out and buy or sell. So I know you're going to buy it. So tell me why you're buying Pilates. And for, for, the, for, for context, people, I, I texted Joe last night to see if we were planning on taping last night. I asked, hey, I, can we bump this back till the end of the Blackhawks game? He texted me back about an hour later saying, sorry, I was in Pilates. You're good whenever you want. So, go. 
I don't know why you read that with such a negative slant on it. I, First of all, slant. to the Moose and Runes listeners that have made it to this point in the podcast, thank you, and you're about to get some. Uh, some I'm about to put you on game here a little bit. Okay. Oh God. A large portion of elite athletes, NBA, NFL, MLB, implement Pilates into their weekly workouts. It's not. I'm not an old woman going to Pilates five times a week. I'll go once, maybe twice a week. Get on the reformer. It works muscles that you don't work on a daily basis, even if you're working out, even if you're doing yoga, even if you're doing power lifting. It's forcing your body to do things it doesn't usually do. Go online, Google Jake Arrieta Pilates. It's all he does. You trying to make a comeback? He said that it upped his velocity by X amount of miles per hour. It it's all about flexibility and core strength, Matt. I'm buying Pilates big time, and I encourage anyone that hasn't gotten on it to get on it and uh, and see what it does for you. I got I got baby deer legs today. You go through the workout, and it's like, oh, that wasn't terrible. And you wake up the next morning, and like, I didn't know I had a muscle there, and I'm sore for three days. And that was buying Pilates. Pilates Matt. Buying Pilates and drink lots of water, everyone. Well, th- drink lots of water. Th- thanks, Joe. Got to work out those toxins after a Pilates workout, man. Oh, that, that's, you know. Uh, didn't know, I, why, you had to, think we knew didn't know why you had to put me on blast. Uh, of course that. I had to put you on blast. It's my job to put you on blast. I thought Just that like our, you do uh, to me as well. Yeah, but I thought that so, some things are sacred in our, in our, in our text. Pilates in our text, is not but, sacred. But apparently most, not. Most things bad. are. If I say something along those levels, you are more than welcome to put me on blast. I don't think I have Okay, yet, Okay, I'm going to give you an out here. Sure. Your homework for next week's podcast is either watch The Godfather or take a Pilates class, and you'll have to report back on one of the two. Can I like YouTube a Pilates no. class and just watch it? No, no. I don't know. I don't think the gym I Pilates? belong to has Pilates classes. Joe. You got to go to a Pilates studio. Gyms don't have Pilates classes. I'm not paying special... extra money to go to a Pilates studio. Are you kidding me? Do a dr- most places have a like first two classes free. Go take a Pilates class or watch The Godfather. This is just a way to get you wa- to watch The Godfather because I know you're not going to take yeah, a Pilates I, class. I did yoga yoga once on a class in in, in college. Like I had those in my. I, one I of did my yoga once. I did yoga once. I did, I did, I did it one, a class two, three once. It, it, it didn't go well. It, I wasn't flexible. Yeah, it's not going to be easy right off the bat. It's not what your body's used to. So go challenge your body, Matt, or sit on the couch and watch The Godfather. I'll be happy either way. (sighs) You got me. I brought this by myself, but you got me. I am in a pickle. (laughs) Yeah. I either have to work out or watch The Godfather. So... One or the other, Matt. I think okay, well, uh, yeah, we'll see. Resign, we'll see. resign to your fate. Matt, yes. we're going to implement, uh, before we say goodbye here, a new thing that we're going to do. Uh, we're going to try and get you reading a little bit here in 2018. Oh Actually, this was your idea, so I really liked it. But best thing you read all week. We're going to give the award-winning listeners a place to go, something to read, uh, something that we enjoyed, whether it was a headline, a quick little blurb, or a full write-up in any publication publication pardon me sports non-sports hit him with the best thing you read all week Matt. well i will give a little bit of credit where it's due uh one of my, my brother did give me this idea and i thought it was a, a pretty good one to take and run with nice little change okay. up but i don't know i know it's a, a paid subscription website uh, but the athletic has become one of my favorite places to go and read and obviously you're very familiar with the uh faux polini twitter account uh mm-hmm. having been in lincoln for the past few years but uh he does a mailbag every weekend during college football season, and then the off season, you know, 
here and there it'll, it'll pop up and there there was one this last weekend the the title is dear foe Polini, my baby is due on a college football game day is it okay to watch my team in the delivery room um so I, <laughs> fun, fun headline like that um but there's a couple different questions along the lines of that always every week and i'm, I'm not going to read the whole article obviously but it, it's nice for a laugh it's, it's good humor it's it's very smart you know clever humor as well so uh, it, it's nice little change up from reading, you know, serious articles, serious sports articles, news articles, whatever. With all that's going on, it's a nice little, uh, nice little, nice little way to laugh while reading something. Mine is a change up as well. Uh, the Ringer dot com, one of my favorite writers. I jump back there every once in a while. They they toe the line of pop culture and sports very nicely. Uh, Shea Serrano does a great job. Well, read an article of his earlier in the week called "Who Are You in the Bank Robbery Movie Scene?" and they break down a couple different bank robberies uh, from Point Break to a couple others. Um, and the way the piece is crafted, it allows you to inject yourself into certain points of it to find out who you actually would be. Whether it's the getaway guy, the smash who, and grab guy, the who money would you guy. Be? I, I I haven't decided yet, but I'm in the I'm I'm not the getaway guy. I'm I'd be the getaway computer. guy. I'm not the I'm not the brain offsite. Well, I'm we know definitely that. I'm definitely in the bank doing some sort of robbery. I don't know if I'm I might be the bomb tech who gets the no, a little sure. bit more cerebral gets gets do the that. door open. So you think I'm the kick in the door? Everybody on the ground guy. Yep, I'm like that, the, you are. I'm the like I'm the ten bullets in the ceiling. Joe, sell it, guy. Joe, I shared a locker room with you for what was it? Seven years, six seven years. Uh-huh. You're absolutely uh-huh. the kick down the door. Yell, everybody get down, uh-huh. guy. That is that is you to a T. I think that would be fun. Everybody on the ground. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's I think you. I got it. I think I got it. And you work in like a couple couple like funny accidental you're, you're, jokes exactly into you're what quick, you're quick witted so like people, that you're the smart. people are like is he is he making jokes whilst robbing banks this that is would all, be this, you it's kind of enjoyable so yeah I'm probably the shoot 'em up guy I'm, I'm the getaway driver guy. 100% but the, the the reason that I'm hesitant to say that is the shoot 'em up screaming guy is usually the first one to take bullets from the blue from the from the from the cops yeah but you know and I'm not, I'm not I'm not trying to be the first guy so to take you'll have a vest on yeah that's true I'll have to like drag my unworking leg to the car, the getaway car. Yeah, but yeah, and then I'll uh, drive who away. are you? Who are you in the bank robbery movie? Bank robbery movie scene is the title of this. Uh, it was published on January eighteenth. Jump on there, check it out. It's a fun read, and uh, we appreciate you guys for listening. I'm on the ringer right now. I thought you were going to go with uh, the Bachelor recap, Man vs. Wild complex. No, I don't. I don't watch. I don't watch the Bachelor, Matt. So oh, I think you're just. Pay- I think you're just. You're just painting with a broad brush now. That's when the I've surprise century. Let's shut it down. <laughs> you're shut down. Shut it down. <laughs> shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. All right, Matt, I'm going to take things back to the AFC title game. And I know uh, the Patriots making it to the Super Bowl is much to the chagrin of a lot of people who are just sick and tired of watching them. And we've talked about this in the past. You need to learn how to respect greatness. We are watching greatness. We are watching the greatest franchise. We are watching the greatest quarterback. And we are watching the greatest coach. We have a front row seat to NFL history. And we're going to realize it 20 years from now what we watched. If you want to focus on all of these different storylines that are created around the Patriots to make them the villain, go ahead. But it's wrong. Because if you look at the Patriots as a franchise, as a roster, not no, it hasn't been a long time. I'd say 07 was the last time that they had the best roster in football. And they didn't even win that, that year. They ended up losing to the Giants. They've never had the best roster. They've just had the best approach, the best scheme. 
Tom and Belichick both get the best out of their guys. And it's so much fun to watch. It's fun to watch the emergence of a Danny Amendola when you're down a Julian Edelman and a Rob Gronkowski and you got a cut on your hand. These are these are amazing things that a guy's doing, that a team is doing that is not getting the respect it deserves because they've been positioned as a villain. And if you want to continue to position position them as the villain, go ahead because every good movie needs the villain. But this movie ends with the villain winning more times than not if you're going to call the Patriots the villain. I think we need to learn how to respect their greatness a little bit better than we have. Do you want to talk about the refs last week? They missed a few calls. Absolutely. But I don't think that game was decided by referees. The only bad call against the Jaguars was the pass interference call down the sideline on that great box out move by, I believe, Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey, Was was it Ramsey before the half? So I know they missed a fit. It was was Booyah, but we digress. There there weren't bad calls, there were missed calls. There was a missed face mask, there was an early whistle, and yes, those things do affect the outcome of the game. But those things are are for the referees to decide. I, I don't think Brady, Belichick, or any of the Patriots have any bearing on that unless it's subconscious because of their greatness. I think you need to watch these guys on Super Bowl Sunday with a clear mind and an open heart to be a little bit verbose about it, but you are seeing greatness and you are about to see greatness do something great once again. It's a lot of fun to watch. And I think that when history tells these people's story, it'll be less about deflate gate, less about thumb gate, less about spy gate, less about whatever these storylines that you want to create around these teams and more about the greatness of what Bill Belichick, Tom Brady and these different supporting casts have done because they did it in 2004 and they're doing it more than a decade later with a completely different cast of characters that speaks to their greatness. And I think we all need to respect it. So I guess my one question to ask you before we end up here. You said mm-hmm. every movie has a villain. Who's the who's the villain I mean, in the like Godfather? Who am I looking out for? I mean, there people people change sides. Michael oh. Michael's not a villain, but you oh, need spoilers! To, now you just ruin the movie for me. No, I mean you just said Michael's people change sides. So now I know people are going to change sides. There's back. It's a mob movie. There's there's back. It's more than a mob movie. Though. I hate to categorize it as such, but. Matt, it's your homework to watch The Godfather. Or do Pilates. Or, or do Pilates, one or the other. We'll so, see. Uh, I mean, you're going to... Tatalia was a pimp. He could have never outfought Santino. That's all you need to know, I don't know, know okay? what any of that means. You watch out for Tatalia, okay? Unless I do Pilates, then I don't have to. <laughs> Tatalia sounds like a move in Pilates. <laughs> and things have come in full circle here on the Moose and Roots podcast. Episode Joe, homework 40. assignment before we before we go. Yeah, here. give me one. Give me I think no, it's going to be for both of us. But I think we, we've had some good uh, good discussions over the last few years or last few podcasts, whatever months we have this time. Like, come up with your ideal Super Bowl spread because we talked when football season started. We did okay. You know, we did our you know ideal football Sunday. Obviously the. The Super Bowl's a little bit. You, you take that to the next level. We've talked our favorite Christmas, Thanksgiving type meals. I think we've had some good discussions, some good back and forth with food topics. So let's mm-hmm. let's come up with that. Let's do our ideal Super Bowl spread meal, all that stuff. Where you like watching it? If you like being in a, in a bar in a big crowd, if you like being on your couch okay. by yourself, 
let's let, let's have some Super Bowl discussion. I'm gonna that that's the mailbag from next week. I am proposing that mailbag question to our. our I love it. Our and staff. just to just to clarify here, so I can put the proper amount of thought and time into it. This is a non-Bear Super Bowl because that changes things. Oh, correct, Joe. This well, is, this you know, is, we might have, we're is, probably gonna have to get used to a Bear Super Bowl. In, oh, you know, back to back. Years, so back to back. Maybe for yeah. for now, we'll, we'll talk about this year, and then you know next year when the Bears are, are getting ready to play the Pats, we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more excited about the repeat than the first Cannot one. Cannot so. wait for Mitch to beat Tom. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, and with that, that's going to do it for Moose and Ruins Podcast, Episode 40. Matt, congratulations on 40 smackers, 40 big ones. Congrats on 40 50. Times, 40 congrats on 50. Uh, and we're practically at 100. So yeah, congratulations well. on reaching triple digits, Matt. Uh, that's going to do it for Moose and Ruins Podcast, Episode 40. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. As always, we hope you enjoyed Get at us with those mailbag questions. We want to get back into the mailbag and hopefully uh, do a little engagement here. You guys read a couple of those articles. Let us know what you thought about them. We can dig back into those as well. Matt, thank you. Listeners, thank you guys. Have a great week. May God give you for every storm a rainbow. For every tear, a smile. For every care, a promise. And a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome.